how many of you remember the tornado, Joplin tornado, 2011? That was crazy, right? Um, 158 people died in that tornado. Some of you maybe have family there, friends, whatever, no. And it was interesting because at the time they said it was like someone took a, their finger in a cake and ran their finger around through the frosting and just left a gouge in the, the entire length of the city, cut the city in half. 158 people died, hundreds or more were injured, and the question was, um, they had 19 minutes warning in this city. 19 minutes to prepare, and they, and hindsight realized how many hundreds didn't need to have been injured and how many actually wouldn't have been killed if they would have heeded the warnings. And the question was, why didn't they? Like, why wouldn't they listen to a tornado warning that's bearing down on them? The systems that we have these days are much greater than they used to be. The ability to warn something in advance is much easier than it used to be. But why weren't they listening to it? And Jesus is actually going to take his disciples on a boat ride across a, a lake, across a sea, where there's going to be a giant storm, and they're going to survive. And the question is, why how do they survive? How did they make it across the sea? And how can we, when a storm hits our lives, how can they make it across the sea? How can we make it together? So if you've got your Bibles, would you open to the book of Mark chapter 4, verses 37 um, through 30-something. Actually, we're going to start in 35. That day, the evening came. This was Jesus. He had just spent the entire day teaching, casting out demons. He is tired. They're already in the boat. They've been preaching from a boat. And he's saying, look, instead of going back to the shore and to the chaos of that, I'm going to take you to the other side. We're going to go over to the other side. So it says, uh, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, verse 37, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, this is hilarious, because it's basically, this is the same language that Jesus uses when he's talking to a demon. Uh, and you might recognize this as a parent of your small child. Be quiet. <laughs> Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, in these few moments that we have today to approach your word, I pray that it'll be alive and, and real to us. Lord, I, I believe that even in this room, there are those of us who are in storms, who are getting hit with storms, and I pray that we today, Lord, that you would speak to us and speak to our storms. In your name we pray, amen. So that's the question. How do you survive? How do you weather a storm? How do you not be one of the 158? How do you weather a storm when it, when it comes on you? And, um, and, and Michael Lewis in his uh, new book, The Coming Storm, I, I spent some time reading it at the beach. And uh, he was talking about the, the challenge in Joplin was that wasn't that they, had, they needed better warning systems. They've been spending the last decades trying to figure out how to warn us more of when a storm was coming. The trouble is, is we already know that now. 
but we aren't listening to the warnings. And so what they've tried to do is make the warnings more scary. So I don't know if you've noticed, this is a recent development. When you watch the weather, of course, none of us are watching the weather anymore. We're on Twitter watching the Nashville severe weather, dude. Um, who, if you're in here this morning, God bless you. I don't even know who he is. Just some good guy behind her girl for that. I don't know. Hiding up behind Twitter and giving us weather. But, but for the most part, weather people on the news are saying things like, okay, when this happens, like your roof's coming off, like the big bad wolf is going to blow your house down, like in this week. So they're trying to make it as scary as possible so that we will listen to the warnings. And it has worked exactly none. And some of it is because, I mean, Ethan, the other day we were at uh, Moe's house, birthday party, and there's a tornado and it's going right for College Grove is what they're saying on the weather. What did you and I do? We went to College Grove. <laughs> we got in the car and went to see if we could see it. <laughs> if, if you're with DCS, I would like you to officially, uh, I just, we didn't scrub that from the record, but... Here's the thing. My grandpa used to do that. He'd throw us in the back of the truck and drive us all over God's creation, chasing tornadoes. We never got killed, right? We were... So anyway, the point is, they're not heeding the warnings. And if we live in a culture that's taught us anything right now is that storms are coming and that the better the warning, that's great, but we still have to listen to the warning. And the question of how do we survive a storm that is in our life, our personal storms? How do we survive a physical storm? They're actually kind of a similar situation. If you've been around the United States for a while, you've known about hurricanes. We name them now. We give them fascinating names. I don't know, honestly, I understand the naming situation, but I feel like they need to be tougher, right, than uh, Gustav or whatever. Like, you know, like the Incredible Hulk. Let's name them for what they are. But... When a, when, a, when a hurricane is coming at you, you actually can see it. If you've lived on a, coast, a coastal area, you see them coming. They measure the wind. They can measure the destruction of it. We have plenty of warning for it. And in your life, some of you have had those kinds of storms that are coming. You know it's coming. Your parent maybe has been uh, prescribed uh, or diagnosed with uh, dementia or you've got a diagnosis or something that's, you know that there's something coming. You're bracing for it. You're preparing as best you can. But at the end of the day, the storm is still coming and it's still gonna leave behind some damage with it, no matter what. That's one kind of storm that happens in our life. There's the other kind of storm and that's the storm that you didn't see coming. The doorbell rang. The, the sheriff is at your house at two in the morning. Have you seen your kid, right? You, the, the phone rings. You didn't see that coming. Um, we actually had it happen to uh, a, a lady in our church in 2013, had a tornado, literally hit her car, like straight up, knocked her car, picked it up, flipped it upside down, and dumped her in the parking lot in Franklin. That's uh, Miss Donna, Donna Henderson, if you guys have her at uh, Independence High School. Her husband, Jim, is uh, an elder with us. and That happened. Now, here's why that happened to her. Do you know that a tornado warning... You only get a warning once they actually see a tornado. So I, th that's brand new information to me. I thought they saw the hook on the radar because they keep talking about that on the news. But if they, the only way a warning is going to get actually made by the weather service is once they see it and then they warn it. So you know when that warning for that tornado happened? The moment it hit her car. We lived in Franklin just a few miles over. We saw the warning 
didn't know the warning was because it dumped her car over in the parking lot. Now, if she walked away from that, by the way, with no scratches, no damage, and probably the best party story for the rest of her life. I mean, if you're at a party, you, you, you save that one to the end. Oh, yeah, I appreciate Yeah, that dog growled at you or whatever. But I was in a car that got flipped over by a tornado. Like, you just one-up everybody by the end of the... That storm hit her in the way that many storms have hit you. Glenn, it's probably the way that storm hit you, a stroke 23 days ago. Like, nobody called ahead of time and said, hey, that one's coming. That just happened, and boom, you're in the storm. Now, that said, the promise of Jesus... The, 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 what we're doing here today is I see in this Jesus giving us our prepper kit for how to be ready for the storm, how to weather the storm, and how to get to the other side that he's calling us to. The prepper kit that we have for that is his promise to us, his presence with us, his peace among us, his purpose for us. And then I'm going to answer the question of why it was in Joplin that they didn't listen to those warnings and why it is that you and I are the exact same and what Jesus wants to teach us from this storm is I think something that can take us, whether it's a real storm or a figurative one. Are you ready? Well, let's do it. So his purpose, his presence, let's start with his promise to them. He starts this little passage. He says, let's go to the other side. Now, he didn't say, let's go to the middle of the lake and I'm going to sink it. Let's go to the bottom of the sea. He said, let's go to the other side of the sea. That was his promise. That was the promise that he made to them that day. We're going to the other side. He had, by this point, keep in mind, these people had seen him raise somebody up who was sick and paralyzed, healing lepers, making water into wine. They had seen a lot out of Jesus. And when he says, let's go to the other side, what do you think he means? Let's go to the other side. Now that said, what does it mean in our life when I speak of the other side? This metaphor of this, when you see the Old Testament writers, they speak of the sea as a dark place, as a place of sin, this earth, this world. When Jonah was thrown into the sea, right, it was into the bottom of the sea. That's, a, that's an image that is in Greek writing, in Hebrew writing, of the sea being a dark and a, a, a scary and a sinful, that's the whole picture. So when he says we're going to get in the sea and we're going to go to the other side, what is his promise to you and to me is I'm going to get to the other side. When I was, uh, it's been a f few years ago, maybe, maybe last year, I don't even remember anymore. I was on the phone or texting with Mark Bourgeois and I was getting ready to get on a flight. And I'm, I'm that guy that when they finally say, okay, everybody, you're done now. You got to quit making phone calls. Like I'm still like, oh, I got to get one more text out. Um, but I'm doing that with Bourgeois and I'm like, hey, I, I'm sorry, get ready to take off. I don't want to get yelled at. I'll see you on the other side. And he responds, hey, that is like the last thing you want to hear from somebody getting ready to take off on a plane. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you on the other side. And you know why? Because we use the language of the other side as the other side in eternity. Jesus' promise to you was not that you would go across to the other side without a storm. You would not go across without any danger without any waves shaken up. His promise was, I'm going to get you there. On the other side, I mean, we just had it happen with Mama Lucy. We just had the privilege of doing her funeral. And do you think that God failed Mama Lucy when she breathed her last breath? No. She just made it to the other side. The exact promise that Jesus made to her. 
I'm gonna get you there. You are safe in my hands. No one can pluck you out. You are, that is his promise to us. In this world, you will have troubles. That was his promise to us. But lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. That is his promise. And his promise of lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth, is his presence with us. That's what happened in that boat. It says that Jesus was with them in the boat. They took him just as he was, and he is with them in the boat, going to the other side. Now, the promise of a weather guy here on this side of the planet, like if you're the meteorologist and, and, and you're t- you know, your promise is I'm going to predict the weather, but that's not the promise of Jesus, right? Jesus is the creator of weather. He's the, he created the earth. He is the Lord of the weather. So his presence with you and his promise to you go hand in hand. The weather people here, you see the weather lady on uh, Fox News, she's not with you in the storm. She's hanging out back in the studio telling you what to do. But that's not Jesus. Jesus, I'm not going to be that kind of a weather person. I'm actually going to be with you in this storm. So in surviving and in weathering the storm that you're in, know that Jesus isn't just up in heaven like typing commands to you. He is with you in the storm. His presence is with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And when he is with you, then his peace can be upon you. When I fly, I fly way more than I would like to. I'm, I hate, anybody else scared to fly? Come on, hands held, hearts abandoned. Right, okay, uh, okay. okay, like three of you. And some of you hopefully are just lying, but I don't, I just don't like flying at all. A lack of control, call it what you want. I don't know, not a fan. But what I do when I get on a plane, which is often, you hit the turbulence, I am looking for the facial cues of the flight attendants. Right? You know this. I mean, Orton's, I can have her come up here. She was, she was a flight attendant for years. I'm looking for, are they still pouring ginger ale? Okay. Now, if they're starting to pour Bloody Marys, like by the gallon, <laughs> time to panic. But what I'm looking for, because the, if they're not panicked, then I don't have to be. That doesn't mean I don't, my anxiety and my fear and my blood pressure, whatever, isn't up. But their peace is there as a cue for me that I don't need to be freaked out. And so where was Jesus on this boat? Sound asleep. His peace. And think about that for just a second because oftentimes I get into a mess and I think, man, God, why are you so quiet right now? Why are you not speaking to me? Why am I? And here's the gift that he's giving us. If he's not freaking out, I don't have to either. Because if Jonah proved us anything, if God needs to get your attention in the boat, he'll get your attention. If he has something to say, he'll say it. But if he's not, maybe it's because he's actually okay with the circumstances as the way they are in your life and that you can know that he's there, he's got this under control, he's, but he's sleeping, he's not sleeping because he doesn't care, he's sleeping because he's not scared. And so you don't have to be either. His silence is his gift to you in so many cases. Hold on to that. Jesus isn't freaking out. You don't have to either. His peace, his presence his promise, and it ultimately leads us to his purpose in those storms. Because keep in mind, Jesus could have actually stopped the storm before they ever got in the boat. At 100% could have stopped it, and he didn't. He stopped it in the middle, but he didn't stop it before. 
there was something in those waves that they could only learn from the waves and not from a sermon. He had just taught them the parable of the sowers. There are things that you can learn in a storm that 52 years or 52 sermons in a year can't teach you the way a storm can teach you. Jesus had a purpose for them in that storm. And sometimes the storm itself, I don't know if you've ever been to Montana. Have you ever stood in Montana and you look at a storm blowing in? Or Nebraska, someplace where you can see, is all I'm saying, where there's not just a bunch of trees. You look across and what do you think? We were, actually, Chris was saying that at the beach this week. The one thing we didn't get this week coming off of the, the, the ocean was a storm. Because it's so much, it's so beautiful to watch a storm blowing in, the lightning and the wind and the power. And what is beautiful, listen, what is beautiful to me in the storm situation might be terrible for somebody else on the other side of that storm, inside the storm. When Greg Murtha told me about three or four years ago now that he had been diagnosed with cancer and that he was not going to make it, Greg was in the middle of the storm of his lifetime, of my lifetime, for that matter. And the boat was rocking and the lightning was crashing and the wind was tossing and the cancer was ravaging his body. And it was terrible and it was beautiful. Watching how he rose into that storm, watching the way that he held on to Jesus in that storm was terrible for him, but it was like I'm watching at a distance seeing, but there was God's beauty being unfolded in that storm. And Greg, when he stepped into the other side, Jesus didn't fail him. He kept his promise that he was on the other side. In that promise to us, Sometimes Jesus does speak to a storm and it quiets it immediately. He did it to the disciples. Jesus is still in the supernatural business. You understand he didn't time out on that. But sometimes he still does stuff, still does supernatural things in your lives. And when he does that for you and for me, When the storm, I say it this way in the time we have left, when the storm quieted, when the waters quieted for the disciples on the ship, what was happening to the ships that were all around them? Because it says there that there were Jesus, he was in the ship, and there were, quote, other ships around them. There were other boats around them. When he calmed the storm for the disciples, what happened to the, dis, uh, the storms for everybody else? It quieted their storms too. The storms that you have faced, when the storm of addiction is quieted in your life, you have the ability to speak to the storm of addiction in someone else's life in a way that no one else can. That Jesus wants to calm your storm and in doing so, those that are around you, he will calm their storms as well. If you've had a storm of anxiety or fear or panic attacks, I've shared with you some on that, that journey that I've had and those, that it allows me to speak to that storm in someone else's life in a way that I couldn't, or maybe you couldn't because you haven't experienced it. Because the storm that Jesus quieted in your life now gives you the gift to be able to speak to the storm, that exact same storm in someone else's life. In... Uh, just next week, I'm going to have Mike Coop join us from Place of Hope. And Mike 
has uh, been clean from alcohol for 35 years. When God quieted the storm of addiction in Mike Coop's life, it quieted the storm of addiction in hundreds of other people's lives who have gone through and found freedom from that in their own storm of addiction. The storm you're in right now, Jesus is not going to waste your pain. What the enemy has meant for harm, Jesus can use for good, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that in the way that you have been ministered to, now you can minister to others. What a gift we could have as a church full of brothers and sisters whose storms have been quieted to provide safe waters for others as well. Because the fact of the matter is, is this. When Jesus invited you to go to the other side with him. He's inviting you on a journey where there'll be other boats, there'll be other storms. There'll be risk, there'll be good, there'll be bad, there'll be fun, there'll be ugly. It's this journey called life. And his promise to you in that right is that he's gonna get you to the other side. But while you're on the way there, sometimes there's gonna be waves. You could stay back in the harbor I won't take that risk. That's too scary. I'm just going to stay right where I am, where it's safe. There's an old quote by a guy named J.A. Shedd. Does that not sound like a famous dude? He said that ships are safest in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. When I think to the glory of what God wants to do with our church family here, I mean, I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing some of you that are survive, have survived storms, are surviving storms that are in it, that God, when he's quiet in those waters for you, he doesn't want you to just go back to the harbor. He wants you to keep going and to take that quietness to speak to other people's storms. And we have a gift here as I end this sermon because we started that in Jacques Mel Haiti in uh, 2007 or six. Or we, we probably need to figure out what year that was. 2007, I just asked my wife, figured it out. <laughs> totally figured it out. That's <laughs> all you gotta do is just ask your wife. But in 2007, I first met Fedini, Maria's wife, whose own storm had been calmed. Being raised in Haiti in and of itself can feel like its own storm sometimes, the challenges and the obstacles. But as God has spoken into and quieted their storm, raised them up, now Fedini is the head of Restore Haiti in Jacmel. And now, and I'm, actually, would you guys join us? They just got back from New River. Pastor W. Smith had required their presence at New River Fellowship up the street, but we, we've got him back now. But would you guys make uh, Vedney and Marie welcome this morning? I want to... This is actually their first time to Tennessee, and that's kind of, yeah, sad because first time to conduit, uh, and we've lived a lot of life together. But what I have seen in your lives is that God calmed your storm, and you didn't park the boat in the harbor. You took your calmed storm. And how many kids? So when we first started, there were 15 kids that, were, that needed help. And so 15 of them were sponsored. Uh, and how many kids is it now that are sponsored through Restore Haiti? Good morning, brothers and sisters. 
Bonjour. Comment est? It's a pleasure for us to be with you today. As Pastor Darren said, uh, this is uh, our first time visiting you in Conduit. We were here in Tennessee almost five years ago, but we we just met Pastor Darren some um, at at New River that time we had the event. But oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So, but you, here we are today, so we are so happy to be with you. So, uh, our program we have three locations in Haiti: one in Carrefour, two in Jacmel. Actually, we have about 800 kids sponsored from pre-K to university. So it started with 15 kids. Yeah, that's right. And it started with 15 kids. Storms had been quieted in your lives, and then now those kids are now quieting the storms in others. Because when you say they're going to school, I mean, think about it. This is a small village where none of the kids, like hardly any were getting to go to school. Hardly, none. There's not enough food. There's not enough money. And now you've got over 800 kids going to school, and now they're, so their storm of what poverty is meant to harm them, their storm has been quieted, which gives them the ability now to reach out and to help others around them. It's been cool, Vedani. Tell me about like when you guys have done like the earthquake. Uh, we did earthquake work back in 2010, but now when a hurricane comes, you guys send people out to help the people in Haiti. Like we help you financially, but you guys are the ones sending out the people to help to bring relief to them, right? How does that work now? Uh, actually, um, when the earthquake happens, myself, uh, I, I could be killed but because God escaped me. I was at the office and I had to go to university. That is actually only five minutes from the office. So when I was about to enter the gate and I just remembered that I had to buy a remote control for my TV set at home. So I left the school going to the market that is about 15 or 40 minutes. Hmm. And when I was about to pay for the remote control, remote control, earthquake happened. Wow. So the school fell down. So many students died. In my own class, about 12 of them died. So I could be died. My wife also, she was in the same building in English class. And the students, they came, they pushed them out, saying, this is our time now, give us our place. And oh, wow. she, she went, and she could wow. be died too, because of the grace of God. So after that, we, we uh, support many people. We use the church building as a facility to receive people and call it mission. Pastor Darren uh, said uh, many things, food uh, to, to give to, to the people. Um, also, tent city, tent to organize like tent cities we had on the in the front of the church. Mm-hmm. So even for the storms, we also receive um, support from you, from other people in the U.S. Uh, because it is uh, a very vulnerable area where we are. So the poverty and the the also the I can say the you know because the people they they cut. The trees, so the environment is really vulnerable. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, yeah when I, you guys have heard me say before that I don't have a heart for Haiti, right? I have a heart for my friends. Um, I had a heart for Fedney, right? For his family, for like, because that moment when that happened in 2010, like we didn't know. 
whether they were alive or dead. All, we were seeing these images come out of the, on the news and one of the greatest memories I have is actually hearing Fedeni's voice, <laughs> that he was alive. And, uh, and we didn't have too much time to celebrate, right? Because we had, there was a lot, of, a lot of hurt, a lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of storm. And yet in the middle of what he was saying is that in front of the church property, we created a, a calm in the storm. Um, food and shelter and supplies. And at that point, we set about helping to rebuild homes. I don't even know how many homes we've built. There's so many. But it's just God has been so good in, in bringing the calm uh, because he'd calmed my storm. He'd calmed Fedeni's storm and Marie's storm. Then we had that chance as well. So tell me, what is the project that you guys are working on right now as Restore Haiti? We have been working on having land um, for the church uh, for the other facility because we wanted to build uh, the office in the same place, the, the clinic, uh, or, or everything on the same 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 space. And uh, we need we need more land for that. Even we have been um, paying for lands years ago, but we still need to uh, to continue to pay because uh, actually the the land exactly where the church is, we we pay for half of it. We, we still need to continue to pay, so we have the entire land, the entire space, so to continue to build for our project. Also, um, the, the school on the ground, the RCA, so you have been sending money for, for that, so, uh, but there is still a part to continue to, 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 to get. I think Pastor Darren mentioned that there are some, you can say that, but there are some, some money that will continue to go down, so you can get the entire land for the school and then start building on it because it's not just for a school, but the, the, the dream is to have a university in Monoje. Yeah, yeah and we it's will. a big yeah. dream. Yeah, and we did last summer, we sent down the last $32,000 for the land. So the, most of the land, I think all of it that we know of is, is done. And uh, I was able to tell Fedeni this morning uh, that we also still, ha we have $32,000 already in the account, ready to start construction on the building when it's time. We're going to need some more for that, but that will get us started on it. So uh, right now we have a couple hundred, 240 some kids. I mean, I'm talking like crammed into this space that they don't even own. And now they're going to have this great big flat open space where they can play soccer. I'm sorry, uh, football. Um, and uh, and build a school that will that will it will not just be a, a primary elementary it'll also be a university. Um, I have the privilege of going down there in a couple of weeks. We're going to go down to inaugurate uh, what we have affectionately known as the Mountain Church. Uh, and then we're going to celebrate uh, the, the graduation from Bible school. I had to delay that by a month because of some political things going on there. It's a complex place, uh, but we're still going to go down in a couple of weeks and uh, celebrate a graduation with them. While you guys are graduating high schoolers here, we're going to be graduating our third class from the Bible Institute uh, on the grounds of Shockmel. How can we pray for you, Fedoni, and for your family and for... The ministry. My own family winning prayer because actually we are pastor in the church and we have three kids. Um, so actually I have the whole family on my back and we already have all the kids staying with us at the house. Actually we are building a bigger house because it's too small to receive so much people. At, at, at some point at the time we had 12 people in our house, only two yeah. bedrooms, you can imagine. But it's because we wanted to, 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 to stretch it to receive more kids, more people to give them hope to. So now we are trying to build another one, so it's a challenge, but we, we, we believe that God 
we will we give will do something. Also, we have two requests of prayers. We have many kids uh, on the urgent lead, urgent need that that are waiting to be sponsored. So it's a concern. Uh, also, the biggest need is to pray for Haiti. We are facing challenges, um, political stuff. Uh, violence, some part of Haiti. So we are asking you, please, to continue to pray. I know you do that all the day, but it's actually a big concern. So you can continue to pray for Haiti so we can have peace on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's true. There's political unrest, uh, some violence and things that are happening, and then it, you know, who cares? Jesus has come, right? So we're going anyway. Uh, we can't let that stop us from going, and so Jesus is there. We will continue to pray for you guys for that. Um, and just pray that your own children, uh, that they're being raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. One of the things I love about Fedney and Marie is that they're a family. They're, they, they travel together, their kids are always with them. They're setting an example in a culture that you don't normally see that in. And so they've been able to be, that the calm in that storm, right, is also creating calm in other people's storms when they see that uh, we're gonna be married and we're gonna stay married and we're, there's a huge gift that they've given to those. So would you guys give Fedeni and Maria a hand this morning as they go? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and as they go, uh, you know, part of the reason that I was excited that they could be here is there one more example of why, as I've thought about why do we have to expand? Why, what's in this next thing? What's happening? We've had to say no to requests from them because we haven't been able to meet the financial needs that we have in front of us. We still have to finish the building. There's some things we have to do. And I'm not one to make a, a commitment that we can't keep. So we're gonna keep the ones we have and then, but you know what, what if we had room for about 30, 40% more people in here who could become more ships whose waters and storms could be calmed and now they can go provide calm seas in where God has called them to be so that we can get more kids sponsored, more kids. Uh, I mean, we've, I don't know how many of the percentage, but there's a lot of these kids at Restoration Academy that are sponsored, like right here from you all in this room. You have calmed some, you know, some waters and some storms in their lives and so, uh, when we think about what's next for us, that's part of what God is doing. There's more to do. And for us to do that, instead of us stretching us all so radically thin that we're sacrificing our bodies on the altar of ministry, which he never called us to do, we just bring in more people who can then help shoulder the load, if that makes sense. So would you stand to your feet? As we leave today, I recognize that some of you are so far into a storm right now that you literally can't see the other side. And my prayer for you is that you'll experience his peace. Even if it isn't your own, the disciples weren't less afraid, they were more afraid, which is super hilarious to me. He just calmed the storm and now they're like, well, now we're even more freaked out. But let his peace that surpasses understanding, let his peace rule in your heart. And that word rule, by the way, is like we're the referee. He made the call. Let the peace of God make the call in this. He's going to ref that game for you. Let that peace be upon you with the belief that he can calm storms, and sometimes he does. Sometimes he heals supernaturally. Sometimes it's now. Sometimes it's later. And sometimes it's just that you make it to the other side. But I dare you to try to box Jesus into your description of who he is and to make him do what you want him to do. He's way more wild than that. 
But I pray that his peace will rule in your hearts today and in my heart. Pray that his promise, his presence, and his purpose will give you exactly what you need. Oh, and one more thing. I almost forgot. Sorry, I'll say this as quick as I can. Why didn't they know? Why didn't they listen to the warning in Joplin? Because they didn't think it was going to happen to them. The warning was bearing down on them. And there's not a meteorologist on the planet that could figure it out. They needed a psychologist to go in there and say, I mean, Ethan and I, we saw a storm. We're going to go chase the storm because we're idiots. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. I'm, but you know, but that, it's not going to happen to me. And in your life, one of the greatest tools of surviving the storm that's coming is the understanding that the phone call could be for you. And the reason that's important is the disciples in that boat said what? You don't even love us. You, you don't even care about us. Because why? Because the storm happened to them. They were shipwrecking their faith while the boat was still floating. So as you leave today, the expectation that a storm is coming, you have been warned, in this life, there will be troubles. And that is one of the greatest tools that we have, is that it could happen to you, and that when you do, you've got his presence, his promise, his peace, and his purpose, and you survive it because of the preparation of expectation that it could. Does that make sense? Okay, okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit is a better preacher than me, and that your Spirit speaks to each of our hearts this morning, that in the same way that you have calmed the storms in other people's lives, I pray today that, Lord, you'll, you'll calm a storm of anxiety, you'll calm a storm of fear, of, of uh, financial despair of, of, of sickness. That, that's our prayer, Lord, that you would do something crazy supernatural in our lives. And that even if you don't, we're still getting to the other side because your presence is in this boat with us. We'll give you glory one way or the other. We're getting to the other side. Some of us sooner than others, but all of us will eventually make it. What a promise. Thank you for that, Jesus. We love you so much. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. You are dismissed.